The scripture this morning comes from 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 10 through 12, and then picking up again at chapter 3, verses 3 through 14. Listen now to the word from 1 Kings. Then David slept with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David. The time that David reigned over Israel was 40 years. He reigned seven years in Hebron and 30 years in Jerusalem. So Solomon sat on the throne of his father David, and his kingdom was firmly established. Solomon loved the Lord. Walking in the statutes of his father David, only he sacrificed and offered incense at the high places. The king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the principal high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I should give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, my father David, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and in uprightness of heart toward you, and you have kept for him this great and steadfast love, and have given him a son to sit on his throne today. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. Although I am only a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of people whom you have chosen, a great people, so numerous they cannot be counted or numbered. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people able to discern between good and evil, for who can govern this, your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon asked this. God said to him, Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to to discern what is right, I now do according to your word. Indeed, I give you a wise and discerning mind. No one like you has been before you, and no one like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor all your life. No other king shall compare with you. If you will walk in my ways, keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your life. This is the word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, I I pray that you speak through me and when and where necessary in spite of me. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation on all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning, in the time that I have with you all, I would like to preach and teach on a sermon entitled, Wise Mind. Wise Mind. A few weeks ago, when Patrick preached, he spent a lot of time connecting his sermon on Joseph of Arimathea to both being an understudy for Larry and seeing a performance of Hamilton with an understudy at the Kennedy Center. So this morning, please indulge me with a very far-reaching Hamilton anecdote. Uh, the short story is this. I haven't seen it. Uh, I'd like to have a savings account. And I don't really want to see it. 
Um, and before you start audibly gasping, I'll tell you why. Uh, for a good three weeks uh, early in the Hamilton uh, craze after it won all of these Tonys, I downloaded the soundtrack and I was trying to figure out what was the big deal about this musical and all these awards and all these accolades. And I was skeptical and I kept thinking to myself, this musical doesn't make any sense. And it's not because I'm unfamiliar with hip hop storytelling, because full disclosure, if I could rap, I would be rapping right now. This sermon <laughs> complete with a choreographed dance routine. But the reason that Hamilton didn't make any sense to me is because I had unwittingly put the soundtrack on shuffle. So, uh, so in a play based around a historical figure, people are coming back to life. I thought only Jesus did that. Uh, it's just not helpful to have the soundtrack on shuffle. So this week, as I've been reading about Solomon, in many ways, it felt like my first experience with Hamilton, because it, it uh, like Alexander Hamilton, the story of King Solomon, when removed from time and absent historical context, makes little to no sense. So this morning, I interrupt our sermon series on lesser-known biblical stories to situate you here, here with Solomon. David has died. Israel is in a time of relative peace, given Israel. David and Bathsheba's boy, Solomon, is young in the career, but not necessarily in age, and he's taken over the leadership of Israel following his father's death. I'm sure there is no pressure for Solomon to follow who is commonly argued to be one of the best administrations in all Israelite history. So I'm sure King David took it gingerly when an eight-year-old Solomon proclaimed that rather than being king of Israel, he'd opt for one of those more passion or interest-based careers like an Israelite imagineer. Regardless of whether Solomon wanted this position, because the scripture leaves out those details, Solomon is now king. And we, on this side of the biblical witness, are able to glimpse the beauty of a divine revelation and humble human response. As we shift from David to Solomon, that refrain from Hamilton rings in my head. Who lives, who dies, who tells your story. This week's lectionary, for the sake of brevity, I imagine, leaves out some important backstory that informs the narrative of Solomon's reign. In summation, somewhere between David's burial and this conversation at Gibeon is a ridiculous biblical interlude typical of the historical narratives of Israel. I'm going to give you a cliff-noted version. Someone marries someone else who was a child of another person whose name we may or may not be able to pronounce. There were some sort of violent edicts in which a person or many people died. There's conflict over land. And of course, in the midst of this cringe-worthy drama, we glimpse a God who remains steadfast. So while the story of Solomon will be told for many chapters in 1 Kings and referenced in others throughout Old Testament books, these verses in chapter 3 serve as a foreshadowing of a kingship that, when viewed comprehensively, may be construed as a complicated legacy. You see, complicated biblical legacies are sort of a staple of understanding the story of us, us the fallen and us the faithful. We are to put any stock in research attributed to social scientists such as Malcolm Gladwell. We meet Solomon about two-thirds into his first 10,000 hours of Israelite kingship. So Solomon is not yet an expert. 
but he seeks to be better, which in a compassionate reading of his reign should allow us the space to offer grace and empathy towards his leadership. The characteristics that Solomon portrays in these verses offer a, offer us a glimpse of what is to be. We glimpse a man young in his career, a bit bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, yet already a bit corrupted by the trappings of power and wealth. And we can only cast our eyes in judgment because we have the blessing and the curse of being able to be historical critics of those stories of the holy and wholly flawed people. The young King Solomon whom we encounter today is us, hopeful about what it means to live into God's calling on our lives and prone to the machinations of conflicting loyalties and the offerings of a world that beckons us into folly. What we learn this morning from Solomon may be, among other things, that God's promise and responses to us are always more about God's attributes than ours. So as we navigate this world that still beckons us to folly and constantly lures us astray, may we be reminded of God's unrelenting pursuit and allegiance to us, even when we have, do, and will stray. Now, I imagine a young Solomon ran through the Davidic palace, not unlike those pictures of young children during various presidential administrations. And simply by proximity to kingship, Solomon picked up on some of the trade. You see, occupying the throne was never out of the realm of possibility. He was born into royalty, raised by the good King David, who walked with the Lord And the scripture this morning reminds us that Solomon's stride, too, was with the Lord. It's not just genetics that make Solomon a king. It is also the graceful gait of the faithful. For Solomon, it was his royal lineage that made him a king, but it was his humility that changed the face of Israel as the nation grew under his leadership to become an international power. Solomon, the wise king, His wisdom has to start from somewhere, right? You see, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that fear, that worship, that service begins at Gibeon. Whether dream or revelation, we encounter a young king engaged in the the divine dance of dialogue and discernment. In dialectical behavioral therapy, or DBT, there's a concept called wise mind. And practitioners and researchers of this sort of therapy define wise mind as such. Wise mind is that part of each person that can know and experience truth. It is where the person knows something to be true or valid. It is almost always quiet. It has a certain peace. It is where the person knows something in a centered way. And it is from this place this place of being centered and rooted in God's covenantal love and unrelenting pursuit of us, that a young king who could have responded to the creator of the universe's open-ended question about desire with any answer, ask for wisdom. For wisdom to lead and for wisdom to love. For wisdom to love God's people, not for his sake, but for the sake of God, who fashioned them out of clay and breath liberated them from bondage and covered them with holy cloud coverage. 
What Solomon is asking for is not that God expand his wealth, although God will. What Solomon is asking for is not about him, but about others. With the allure of power and privilege nipping at his heels, he responds with a humility of character that is almost unimaginable. God, make me wise. And not wise by the ways of the world, but endow me with your wisdom. Embolden me to lead your people in your ways and not mine. If you want me to bind up the broken and love the lost, fill me with your presence, fill me with your justice, fill me with your mercy, fill me with your love, and fill me with your, your wisdom that I might lead as you would have me and not as I would have it. Friends, Solomon's request is beautiful. From the line of David, from whence centuries later Jesus will come, there is a great, 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 great grandfather who does indeed seek first the kingdom of God. And in doing so, God responds, Moreover, I will give you what you have. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. So Solomon, Solomon human, so Solomon flawed, so Solomon king and Solomon man, desires not wealth but wisdom, not glory but guidance, as he takes on the mantle of his father. And he he does so remembering the story of a God who never tires of pursuing us, us the fallen, us the flawed, us the human, but also us the beloved. Friends, the story will continue, the story of Solomon, the story of a flawed man, wise like none other, but not above folly. And just as this story will continue written and commented on by others, so will ours. We will live, we will die, and our stories will be told. And my prayer for myself and my prayer for those of us gathered at, at Westminster this morning and my prayers for all people of faith is that we would be like that divine conversation that Solomon had at Gibeon, that our wisdom would be God's wisdom, that our choices would be centered in the love of a God who calls us by name and says, you are mine. A God who, despite all we do to try to run away, constantly welcomes us home and never leaves our side. Let the wisdom of God churn in us. Let us, too, ask for wise minds. For in praying for the wisdom of God, we might just usher in the kingdom we seek, the kingdom of God. In the name of the creating, comforting, and redeeming God, Amen.